This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. This is a very special show, and it is number 500. Our 500th program, which dates back to, uh, I guess, our first appearance on June of 2002. If you multiply out three segments times 500 shows, that's 1,500 segments in nine and a half years. And uh, in celebration of this milestone, we're going to take a look back during today's program at uh, some of the more memorable clips we obtained from some of our favorite interviews and bits. I'd like to start off, and I'm sure Mr. Marillon will join me in this, in thanking KDVS for being there. This is a community-based, student-run radio station, which dates back to the 1960s. Still going strong, and we are pleased to be a part of the operation. We also want to thank the good people up at KZFR in Chico, who also rebroadcast this program every week, and the four or five other stations, which in the past have chosen to re-air this broadcast. We also want to thank the good people at Sacramento Access, where Mr. Vermillion and I first learned how to do some of this. And I furthermore want to thank some of the good people over at Capital Public Radio, where I've been privileged to participate in their broadcasts of Morning Edition, through commentaries, and also on the Insight program. We have a hell of a lot of ground to cover, so let's briefly go through our usual lineup, starting with On This Date in History. The date in question is the 19th of January, and it was on January 19th and 49 B.C. With the words, Lacta alia est, the die is cast, Julius Caesar led his army across the Rubicon River and into civil war in Italy. This date in 1903, King Edward VII and President Theodore Roosevelt exchanged coded greetings in the first transatlantic radio broadcast between heads of state. And on January 19th in 1915, Parisian Georges Claude won a U.S. patent for the neon advertising sign. Our quote of the day comes from the late Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who once said, Everyone is entitled to his own opinion, but not his own facts. Our quote is from Mark Twain, who said, Get your facts first, then you can distort them how you please. Our stat of the day, as noted by CNN.com, is that to be counted among the world's richest 1%, the world's richest 1%, a single individual has to earn just $34,000 a year. Members of the planet's true middle class, meanwhile, live on $1,225 a year. And we've had a lot of favorite jokes over the years. We're going to do a retread today. I think I'll go with my second favorite joke over the last nine years. We used the favorite joke for that Michael Perenni, Will Durst event in Chico back in September, and I hate to get tiresome. Our second favorite joke is as follows. Sometime back, members of a shtetl in Russia, a Jewish settlement, decided to go out and purchase a cow to go with the bull they already owned. The reasoning was if they could breed the bull and cow together, they could have a herd and thereby prosper. So they went to Minsk and bought a cow. But when they came back, Things didn't go well, and they had to invite the local rabbi in to try and solve the problem. When the rabbi arrived, they said, Rabbi, it's like this. When the bull approaches this cow from the right, it moves to the left. When the bull approaches this cow from the left, it moves to the right. 
When the bull approaches this cow from the rear, it moves forward. When it approaches it from the front, it moves backward. The rabbi says, I see the problem. He thinks a moment and then asks, Does this cow come from Minsk? To which the villager says, In fact, rabbi, it does come from Minsk. You are such a wise rabbi. How did you even think to ask this question? The rabbi pauses, looks at the group and says, My wife comes from Minsk. And now we go to guest number one on our program tonight. He was guest number one on our first show, so we think he ought to be guest number one on our 500th show. That would be, quote, Alan Stanton, unquote. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Alan. Hello, Radio Parallax listeners. You might recognize me as Alan Stanton, but my real name is Ed Hunter. Please keep listening to Community Radio. (laughs) Ed, it was a very poorly kept secret that Alan Stanton really was you. I got many emails saying, "What well, was that, Ed Hunter?" And and I had I replied in private, "Why? Why? Yes, it was." But we're outing you for the first time on the air. Great. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was especially keen to bring you on when going through the files. I pull up the Sacramento News and Review, Dateline August twenty first, oh three. You're on the cover to boldly go with your punk. I guess we'd call it punk rock Star Trek. Knockoff tribute band? What is it? What is it? No Kill I. I wouldn't group. want to denigrate punk bands by comparing No Kill I to a punk band. But sure, one size fits all. Punk rock. Yes, uh, they got a nice write up too in Midtown Monthly talking about the the, the punk scene uh, in 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 Sacramento. And and Ed, you were all over the article. Like a rash. <laughs> we need to bolster our credentials with the punk rock community. So we're, for, for no other reason than that, we're glad to have you back. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be back. And, of course, we don't have a lot of time uh, for today's show. We're going to try and cram a lot in. But, you know, you need to come back here in 2012 and talk about more stuff, maybe more political stuff, since you you seem to have your finger on the pulse of the local political events going on around here. I don't know whether you just absorb it by osmosis, but you seem to be knowledgeable. Yeah, I'd just like to see uh, Kevin Johnson get booted. I think that's that, that's the extent of my political passion right now, is to see him on his way out. We'll have to interject that Ed Hunter's opinion, like all of those heard on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. Or Radio Parallax. That too. Actually, we're, we're with you on the get rid of the strong mayor proposal thing, but we'll save that for 2012. Ed, thanks for your contributions, and I'm sure you'll be back. Thank you. I have not seen Ed for a while. It's great to see him. We do hope to bring him back on the show in 2012. Our second guest I think we need to go to would be our general manager here at KDVS. In this case, Neil Rood. I think Neil's, our, I think, our eighth GM since we started this program. And I want to say uh, officially for the first time, welcome to Radio Parallax, Neil. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, 500 shows, I, I can't tell you how much. I appreciate the fact that this community-based show operated and... Uh, uh, and as it has been from the beginning by students, it's just, it's just a great privilege to be a part of this, this whole family. Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad that you can be a part of it as well. There's obviously a lot of things that we as students get to learn from 
working with members of the community rather than just other radio stations sometimes where the most that student staff get to do is fetch coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if there is one advantage of being 50 years old, uh, to balance off many of the disadvantages, is that you can remember back a long time ago and and, and remember stuff that took place long before a... uh, the average student was born, and you can tell those tales, and I guess I guess that's worth something. Being able to have a position like this, I also get to learn a lot of invaluable social and business and professional skills that a lot of students don't really get a chance to experience until after school. I, I know that, uh, that we, you know, being a... Uh, a community-supported program. We have to do our annual pledge drive. We're a little bit early to put a plug in for that, but why not? Uh, that'll be coming yeah. up in April, and we hope everyone will do their part. It's not too early yet to start <laughs> saving up and make sure that shows like Radio Parallax can go on to do 600 or even 1,000 shows. <laughs> I like I like that thought. We should point out, too, people can contribute any time. They don't have to wait till April. No, no. You can always head to fundraiser.kdvs.org. And uh, we do have limited kind of thank you gifts available throughout the year. But, you know, if you go there anytime, you can go and pledge some money. Of course, if you want a snazzy T-shirt or something, you can do it during fundraiser week. And if you start saving up now, you can help make sure that we stay on the air next year. Yes, indeed. Neil, I know you're a busy guy and running around doing a bunch of stuff, but thanks for coming on to say hello, and I hope you will be uh, won't be a stranger and come back in before your tenure expires, which is, I guess, in, in June or, or? My last day is the last day in May, so June 1st you'll have a new GM. All right, well, before you go, come on and let's talk about some stuff. I know the re- UC Radio Network and some other topics or things we could kick around, and by God, we should. Hopefully we'll actually have a UC Radio Network show going on before I leave, so we've got a news director that's pretty excited and getting making that happen, and the technology is there to where it's going to be super easy, and we won't have to mail reel-to-reels to each other anymore. I'm excited to hear this and looking forward to talk about it some more. Neil, thanks. Yeah, congratulations. All right, one of our favorite features week in and week out on this show is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Why don't we do a little bit of that? According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for anyone paying attention to Charlie Sheen when Sheen announced last week that he'd given up his goddesses, quote, winning, unquote, and bizarre rants. Said <laughs> Sheen, I'm not crazy anymore. He went on to describe the new Charlie as a single dad who was devoted to his children and is, quote, much more rooted in reality, unquote. Well, one can certainly hope so. And it was a bad week for the government of China last week in the wake of a microblog site called Anti-Official Car Extravagance, which was apparently launched last summer, has pointed out that the Chinese government is spending millions on luxury cars for their officials. Apparently thousands of Communist Party officials drive $100,000 Audis, while police race around in Porsche SUVs and military officers drive Bentleys. The bloggers have noted that the same government won't spend money on school buses. 21 kindergartners recently died in the crash of a van that was designed for nine, but was packed with 62. And we do expect the next few weeks to get a report on the status of driving in China. 
We do not expect to paint a pretty picture. Finally, it was an ugly week for common sense with the news that a Georgia middle school suspended a student for four days, no less, after inadvertently bringing a knife to school and promptly telling his teacher. Jack Person, age 13, told his teacher he found the small pocket knife in a school bag his aunt had bought at a yard sale. Said his father, I could see one hour detention if they had to do something, but this is nonsense. We agree. I want to note that we have many, many of our programs archived, most of them, in fact, at our website, radioparallax.com. We were especially tickled to have had the chance to interview Eli Wallach some years back, and, of course, that's available for your listening pleasure uh, on the web. We hope you'll check that out. He, of course, was the ugly in that classic Western, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and for my money, pretty much steals the show from start to finish. Of course, that isn't saying much when your competition is Lee Van Cleef and Clint Eastwood, but, uh, hey, (laughs) we think he's pretty good. We have a lot of clips we want to run and a lot of people we want to talk to before this hour's out. And one person we want to add that list would be my former general manager here at KDVS, Stephen Valentino, who's somewhere in the top five, I think, of uh, guest appearances on this show. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Steve. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you, Doug. And I just want to be the first to say congratulations. What number are you up to now? 500, <laughs> you said? Why, Why? yes, this is our 500th show. I'm, I'm glad you read the memo. I, well, I hope at this point at least they triple your salary because they're not paying you enough. Yeah. Uh huh. By the way, how's it, how is it going out there, WNYC? We should point out that you have moved from being our general manager and former. We should also add KZFR DJ to now working for the Leonard Lopez Show in WNYC in New York. Things are very good. Uh, you know, the show is chugging along. It's about fifteen degrees, so I don't go outside a whole lot. But otherwise, New York is uh, shaping up great and. We'd love to have you broadcast out here, actually. You think I can, think I can score Liza Minnelli? Could I, I know some people. We could probably make that happen, Doug. <laughs> and I hope someday you will tell the Liza Minnelli story on this show, which you've declined on numerous occasions. But one of these days, I'm hopeful. Yeah, one of these days, by, uh, when I'm not concerned about my future employment, you'll get the full story. <laughs> All right, well, if Leonard needs a rest out there in WNYC, you should pass the word along. You know, I'm available. I will definitely do that. You're the top of our list, Doug. (laughs) And let me just say that the phrase liberal media gets thrown around a lot in this industry, but you, my friend, are the real deal. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I've always said the liberal media is like the Loch Ness Monster. I've I've heard about it. I just haven't seen too much evidence of it. (laughs) Thank you for giving me that prompt, by the way. You're welcome. All right, uh, Steve, keep up the good work out there in in the Big Apple, and uh, let's have you back on sometime before this year gets too far into it. I'm looking forward to it, and congratulations again, Doug. Thank you, sir. We try and cover a lot of different topics in this program, and um, we do want to do a lot of clubs, so let's tackle a few of them. KDVS is, of course, affiliated with University of California at Davis. It's been our pleasure to interview numerous professors and and others associated with this university. And certainly none more interesting than Dr. Larry Berman, whom we spoke with about his book, Perfect Spy, The Incredible Double Life of Pham Sun An. 
Time Magazine reporter and Vietnamese communist agent. The, the strategist Sun Tzu called spies the most important assets that a military force can have. Um, compared to other notable spies of the 20th century, how would you say that Pham Sunan compares? I think he was one of the greatest spies of the 20th century, primarily because to be an effective spy, one needs to have a perfect cover. And An had the perfect cover, both as a journalist, but also as a friend of Americans. And it was something that the communists had really cultivated uh, as early as 1955-56, when the decision was really made to send on to study in America and send to California so that he can learn all he could about the Americans. And one of the remarkable things about Han's effectiveness is how well he blended in, not only with the Americans, because uh, someone might say, well, it was easy to fool, let's say, uh, you know, someone at Orange Coast College where he was a student, uh, but it was more difficult to fool a David Halberstam or a Neil Sheehan or a Stanley Carno, his closest friends, but he also became close friends with the legendary CIA operatives of the day, people like William Colby and uh, Edward Lansdale and Lucius Conin. And, of course, he also fooled uh, all of the South Vietnamese leaders, uh, some of whom were his closest friends. So the effectiveness of his cover, I think, makes him the, I consider him to be one of the great spies of the 20th century. An important part of this program has been the fact that we've had lots of local people on, people from my neighborhood who had something to contribute, or friends of friends who had something to contribute. When uh, the great book and, and pretty good movie Seabiscuit came out a few years ago, someone pointed out to me that uh, a man who had written Seabiscuit was local and available. It was uh, Frank Sorcy, <laughs> one of our favorites. He talks about some of the more peculiar aspects about uh, you know being a professional jockey. Well, what's a hot shot? I don't know if I should be telling this or not. Maybe you might have to edit this. It's a little electrical prod, about 500 volts. Uh-huh. It's about as big as two little flashlight batteries, pen light batteries, like a cattle prod. You weren't using those in the race, were you? I had used them. Okay. But uh, it's illegal, of course. Yeah. So, but they can't set me down now because I'm not riding anymore. Well, no, you're pretty. I think you're pretty much past the statute of limitations, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so. And it was the last race of the of the season. Uh huh. And it was twelve o'clock midnight. And I had it on me. I used it. Mm-hmm. And I win the race very easy. No problem. Uh-huh. I had no problem. But then I, uh, I had it strapped to my wrist. And when I saluted the judge, my sleeve come down. Uh-huh. And it was exposed. But he didn't see it. Lucky for you. Yeah. Because I would have been ruled off completely, see. So that was uh, kind of an experience with a hot shot. But they, they, they used to use them quite a bit. So there, there, there was really a lot of cheating going on, like, like they show in the movie. That actually did happen a lot. Yeah. All right, well, Frank, that's about all we have time for today, but thank you for reminiscing with us about America's most famous racehorse, Seabiscuit. Okay, thank you. All right, someone we have not yet heard from but we need to is uh, Steve Alexander, the man who made a call 10 years ago to suggest that um, we should do radio. Thought that was a pretty good idea and took it up on him. Mr. Merlin and I then joined forces to learn how to do uh, radio at the aforementioned um, Sacramento Access. In fact, we talk about Ed Hunter being our very first guest. He was our very first guest on the original incarnation of this program, which was called Reality Radio. But uh, he's been on, on Parallax aplenty. At any rate, Stephen Alexander has promised to join us for our second segment. We hope he's a man of his word. After a short break, we'll come back and see if we can't run more clips, assuming that Steve makes it. 
I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Do not go away. <laughs>